have that great privilege to do that now. And so I had the, uh, the honor of boldly going where probably no adult should go, and that was to spend a week with about 300 teenagers uh, at summer camp this week uh, down at Harvey Cedars Bible Conference. Again, if you've never uh, been there, it's a, it's a great place of retreat, and um, it's used for all, you know, all different churches and ministries use it. But I want to give you a little background of why we go there. Let me get my water, by the way. And um, what it means for, for Trinity. But a uh, church that I used to uh, minister with and belong to had been uh, going down to Harvey Cedars for many years, for decades actually, with their youth group. So it was something that I inherited as a youth pastor. And it was just awesome. It's like the highlight of the year for, for most of the teens. And we spend a week down there. Um, it's a beautiful place if you've never been there. Uh, it's really cool because it's like the most expensive piece of property on all of LBI. And if you know LBI, there's a lot of big million-dollar homes, and it costs a lot to, to buy or even rent down there. But, but uh, here's Harvey Cedars. Um, it's the, the little town of Harvey Cedars, but there's this, this big plot of land with beautiful buildings on it, old and new, and they have a gym and a cafeteria and dorm rooms and a big old hunting and fishing lodge with three stories where, where we gather and, and uh, house a lot of the teens and a big chapel. It's just awesome. Um, and of course, it's right on the bay and just a block off the beach. So every afternoon, the teens get to go to the beach and hang out. So just a lot of fun, but we, have a, we hire a speaker uh, who brings the gospel and brings a message that's relevant for the teens today all week. So we gather every evening for a session, and then there's a band, a worship band, that brings worship in the morning and then at night. Uh, and then, of course, there's a lot of activities that we pack into the day for the students. And uh, on Thursday night, there was a carnival, so we had like inflatable bouncy houses and we had rock wall and we had like music playing and all kinds of fun stuff but uh the whole idea is to just get a community of teenagers from a whole bunch of different churches together um to just spend the week not only in fellowship and fun but to really just get them uh, to understand who they are in god's eyes and help them in their journey of um, um discovering their identity in christ and not the world so it's a great retreat, and one of the things that we do that we've, I think we've always done is that we, um, we don't allow the teens to bring any type of technology except a regular camera, not a cell phone camera, but no cell phones. So think about that. Adults, could you spend a week without a cell phone? That's good. Some of you say, yeah, right away you said that. And I have to tell you, I'm going to share just a few stories going to incorporate it into into our passage today but the whole message really is about that week and it's about um this idea of teenagers and about our focusing as a church on the next generation and how crucial that is to the church at large but also our church here uh, locally at trinity but it's one of the great things that we do and you know there are some teens that will complain about it but i have to say that over the years they've gotten used to it and then at night, after we have the main session, all the churches break up into their individual church and they go to a separate place in camp to have their own meeting. And so we joined with First Baptist of Metuchen. We've done some things with them as a youth group. Um, it's, a, it's a big youth group of about 40 students. And uh, so combined, there was about 40 of us and a bunch of adult leaders as well. And so we would gather every night um, before bed and kind of debrief from the day and the session and what we learned and all that. And I have to say that overall, 
the students really appreciated not having their cell phone because they really realize um, how much time they spend on it. Of course, it's not all bad. We talked about how technology can be used um, for good and bad, right? You know, it's of course, it's like anything else. I shared with them about how this kind of dates me too, but, you know, I hear stories about, um, you know, when the TV first came out, it was just like, who wants that in their house, you know? To have a box of, oh, and there's probably preachers talking about, you know, the ills of TV and how it's going to, you know, lead to the degradation of society. But, of course, you can watch good programming on TV and learn a lot, or you could watch a lot of nonsense, right, and just waste your time. So anyway, we talked about that with cell phones as well, but overall, the vast majority of students really appreciated not having it with them because they saw it as a distraction. But interestingly enough, the, the, the guy who was given the message really was talking all about being in sync with God, being connected with God, and uh, how does technology help you or hurt you in doing that? And the realization is that, yeah, I mean, we can use our phone and have our Bible apps so we can be reading the Bible or praying for friends through texts. But you can also use it, just like I said, with the TV and lots of other things for nonsense and just wasting time. There was actually one breakout session that a pastor led. It, called, it was called Wasting Your Time Wisely. Right? And it was just all about like, you know, how in our society, even maybe even especially our young people today, their lives are just so overwhelmingly busy. Did you ever notice that? Right? Some of us older, older folks, older saints, we kind of maybe remember that when we were younger, it wasn't as crazy of a time, you know? It wasn't so much trying to be packed in like karate class and soccer and then voice lessons and then tutor and this and that. Like every minute of the day is packed with something. So they really appreciate being away from all of that and just spending like a concentrated week on being in fellowship with others. You know why? Because every other student their age is in the same boat for that week no cell phones right they're all there to sort of encourage each other and walk along with each other so it's a great time of community building as well i think that was one of the big themes that came out of it especially for our students that went and uh, there's some pictures that are going to be up in a second just kind of scrolling through the pictures of the students that went from our church there's david and um, and the ladies david and, and his, yeah beautiful sunset you all missed that one that was great. That was uh, Monday night, I think, after a storm we had. It's just sort of a picture of the middle of the campground with the cafeteria there. And, and uh, just, you know, we did a bunch of stuff. And you'll just see a lot of volleyball, a lot of uh, beach volleyball there. So you can see that's the bay in the background. And um, Julia and a friend of hers uh, from the other church. And so that's Allie, too, sitting in the... There she is. Smiling, eating something. I don't know, hot dog or something. But... Uh, um, anyway, just had a great time. So you'll see as you can keep scrolling through the pictures, but just want to keep sharing that, um, you know, it was, uh, it was just a great, awesome time. We had beautiful weather, beautiful weather. And, uh, that was such a blessing. Uh, Monday night when we got there, there was this incredible storm. I if you remember it, it must've hit up here too, but it was Monday night after we had had our session and it was just like the perfect timing. And this storm blew through for about 20 minutes. It was like the strongest rainstorm I've ever saw. Thunder, lightning, I mean, it was that kind of rain where you couldn't even see through it. It was just like a sheet of rain and the wind was whipping. And of course, you know, what, what do you do if you're a teenager? You run out into it and you're out in the volleyball field and there's streams of water. Like There's like a river that, that was created because of it flowing out into the bay. And then all of a sudden they were like, hey, there's a turtle. 
And there was a turtle out in the field by the volleyball court just kind of swimming around, trying to find his way back to the bay. So they're all like cheering him on, hey, and he found his way back to the bay, and they were all cheering. But it made for a lot of fun, you know. It's a great way to start the week. Um, but it was really just a great time of, of uh, building community. You know, it was awesome. So anyway, so as we move on, just here's what I wanted to do this morning. I want to share just a few stories uh, from that week. Some things that, some things that I learned, uh, and just God reminded me of, and but I wanted to, to share it in the context of a couple of verses from First Timothy, Jeremiah, and Colossians that we'll get to in a, in a few minutes. But um, I just want to share some of these stories in context of this. You know, I'm a big believer in perspective that we need to always kind of take a step back, even on a daily basis. And have a proper perspective of who we are, who God is in the world around us. You know, you've noticed by now the map we have out there, the new missions map, and it's, it's kind of like an upside-down map because it's from a different perspective of looking at the continents of the world. But that's the whole point. That's the whole idea. And so, um, and so I wanted to just give you uh, some, some stories from this week, but in the idea of, in the context of, having a proper perspective on who teenagers really are. And so some of you parents of teenagers are just like, yes, somebody's going to finally tell me who my teenager is because I don't even recognize them anymore, right? And some of you, perhaps, you can remember back what it was like to be a teenager. But we had this great opportunity, the first time we've ever done it, to, um, to have the founder of Harvey Cedars, as we know it today, his name is Al Oldham, if you've ever been there, maybe you've met him. He's um, 88 now. He's 88. But um, he got to share his story about how Harvey Cedars was founded and got to be where it is today with the teenagers. And I have to tell you, he's 88 and he shared this great testimony and story, had a lot of funny anecdotes, and all the teens were just really focused in on what he was saying. Because he had a lot of cool things to share. And he basically talked about some of the history. He said as a Talk about how he was a kid growing up in abject poverty near Philadelphia. How to make money, he used to take his goat, he had a goat, and he had a little red wagon, and he would tie the goat to the wagon, and he would go into the neighborhood, and he would sell rides in his wagon for five cents, being pulled by the goat. Kids thought that was really cool. I thought that was cool. That'd be fun. That's how he started making money. So he, uh, he came to know the Lord at a young age, and started working in the kitchen. Again, he's 88 now. In the kitchen at Harvey Cedars because it was uh, purchased by an evangelist named Jack Murray. And Jack Murray, um, at the time, he was a little bit older, but he purchased it to really try to reach the young people. But he was struggling to do it. So he bought it, actually, from the YWCA, Young Women's Christian Association. And uh, I forget the year... I think it was in the 40s. Sorry, I don't know the, the exact year, but he bought it for $7,500. The whole tract of land on LBI for $7,500, including the three-story hunting lodge and every other building there. It had fallen into disrepair, and uh, the organization couldn't run it anymore, so Jack Murray bought it. And started to raise some money, but he just couldn't get the teens there. And so he really needed to move on. I'm really condensing the story. 
So basically the story goes, he pulled Al Oldham out of the kitchen one day, he was 21, and said, uh, it was actually one of the board members said, you know, Al, uh, Jack Murray had to step down last night, and uh, um, we want you to start on Monday running this place. He was 21. And he was like, I don't know how to do this. And they said, the basic answer was that we believe in you, and you're here. It was like, so he was there. <laughs> and so you're the one, because he was there, right? It was kind of, did that ever happen to you? It was kind of like, well, maybe you're not the most qualified, but you're here, so we need you. And that was it. And uh, he started to then reach out to pastor's groups and, and kind of start pitching the idea of bringing your youth group and would say, if you bring it, I'll, I'll bring your leader for free. And, you know, it's a great way to disciple. And he tells a great story about how he would go out and pitch this idea about bringing teens to Harvey Cedars, because that's really how it started. Maybe you didn't realize that, but it started as a camp for young people to reach them for Christ and to encourage them. And to be a help to the churches in doing that. So he tells a story about how he would go around to pastor's meetings. And here he was, 21 years old. You know, he'd gone to Bible college and he, uh, he gets in front, up in front of these pastors who are meeting for lunch, you know, and says, my name is Al Oldham and I'm a young evangelist and starting this Harvey Cedars and uh, want to bring young people out. And he says, I want to tell you why you're not able to reach your young people. And all the pastors are like, who is this kid that's telling us this? He said, you all went to seminary and you went to Bible college and so you learned how to teach the Bible and teach the Word of God and you're good at that. And so you're being like Jesus, that's good. And he says, but one thing that Jesus did that you weren't trained to do, he said, Jesus could take these big vats of water and turn them into wine. Did they teach you how to do that at seminary? He said he'd be able to take some fish and loaves and feed 5,000 men. And he said, did they teach you how to do that at seminary? So he's trying to make this point, being pretty brave as a young, young guy, you know. And he says, but another thing that Jesus did that you can do is that Jesus took 12 men, young men, and he spent three years with them. He slept next side of them and he ate with them and he walked with them and he journeyed with them. He says, that you can do. He says, you bring some young men and the ladies bring some young women. You come out to Harvey Cedars and it'll change their lives. And it started working. That's the basic story of how Harvey Cedars started out to be where it is today. And so this past week, we had about 300 teens there. And there's five of those teen weeks every summer. So five weeks they come out, junior high weeks and senior high weeks. Now, junior high week is a whole different animal. You get about three or 400 junior high kids. That's even crazier. We had mostly senior high. But anyway, and then of course, in the, towards the end of the summer, they have family weeks. Maybe some of you have done that. Yeah, that can be your vacation. You go and you hear a speaker and you get to eat together and just do whatever you want. But anyway, it's, it's an awesome place. And so Al got to share this story of kind of, of how it all worked out. And at the end, he just gave a, a great um, challenge to the young people to say, keep following after the Lord. But then he gave a challenge to all the leaders there. And he said, make sure you keep investing in the next generation. And that's kind of what I wanted to share with you this morning. You know, um, I used to be a youth pastor uh, for many years. I was in youth ministry. And it was really ironic. You know, God does this oftentimes in our lives. Maybe you can relate to this. But like the one thing that we probably would never choose to do, that's the kind of thing that God gets you involved with, right? 
It's like the, you know, the story of somebody saying, you know, I don't want to pray to be a missionary to Africa because he might send me. And then God calls them to go to Africa, right? And so I just remember as a kid, all I ever wanted to do was grow up. I, just, I wasn't crazy about being a kid, you know. I, I didn't grow up around little kids or babies. I had an older brother, and uh, I just wanted to be a grown-up. I hung around with a lot of older people, and that's kind of what all, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in life, but I just knew that I, I wanted to quickly get to be an adult. So then God said, I want, you to, I want you to just invest in young people, teenagers. Like, I don't even like being a teenager myself. And now we're going to, you know, spend years doing that. But wow, what, what does God teach you, right, when he kind of takes you out of your comfort zone? How he teaches you and grows you, you know. And I was really reminded of that this week, spending a week with teens, you know, and working with them. I don't get to do that uh, a lot anymore, but what a blessing it was. And it kind of reminded me of the fact that God used many young adults throughout Scripture to do amazing things. Isn't that true? I mean, who are some of the young people in, in Scripture? Joseph? I think we forget. We forget how young so many of these Bible characters are, these people that God used. Joseph. How about David? Jonathan? Daniel? And his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How young they were? Right? When they were told to bow down before Nebuchadnezzar's idols and they didn't. Remember that whole story when they all bowed down and when they did, the dust cleared and here the three of them were still standing? It's awesome. How about Mary? How about Jeremiah? Probably like an older teenager, maybe not even 20. But you just read throughout Scripture and you'll see God used so many young people. So I was reminded that in the early days of, of being a youth pastor doing research and reading about teenagers and youth culture and all that, I was reminded of something really important that I think we as a church, we often forget. The idea of a teenager is something that was invented. Did you know that? First of all, the word doesn't exist in Scripture. It doesn't mean it's not valid, but it doesn't exist in Scripture. Um, anybody want to take a guess at when we started in our culture, started using the word teenager or saying that there's a group of people in our culture called teenagers, like we have children, and then we have teenagers, and we have young adults, college students. Anybody want to take a guess of when that whole idea started, Bob? Yeah. Yeah, very close. He's very, that's definitely right on. Because a lot of people think it happened like a decade later in the 50s with rock and roll, right? And Elvis Presley and all that's kind of like, oh, that's when this idea of teenagers started. No, it was much earlier. It actually started, uh, anybody else want to take a guess? Because that's very close. Yeah, it was more of like the 20s, and here's why, right? A little, a little history lesson, because it really helps us to have that perspective, right? So I don't think it was until maybe the 40s that the actual term was used. But if you think about it, here's what happened. The, the most important and significant invention in our country that really led to the development of what we would now call the teenagers was, anybody want to guess what the invention was? You're all just mumbling. Nope. Somebody said it, the car. The automobile. Think about it, before the automobile... There was a lot more close-knit families, right? Even like the effect that it had on dating. 
Like it used to be there was a courtship and like the, the young teen would like come over to the girl's house and would have to sit with the parents on the porch. I mean, how uncomfortable is that, right? How far could they go before there was a car? It was kind of like the parents had a lot more control. Then all of a sudden the invention of the car comes along and you have all these teenagers like, yeah, they find the one kid that's got a car. And it wasn't until when, the 20s really, that was starting to be mass produced. So it was a little bit later than that. But then all of a sudden they were jumping in a car and just going as far away from the house as they could, right? And what did that do for the dating scene, right? Just think of the show Happy Days and you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So it was the invention of the automobile. But then it was kind of like what Brother Bob was talking about. What happens then is we have the Great Depression. And then who became president towards the end of the Great Depression? Late 30s, FDR, Roosevelt. And he comes up with this thing called the New Deal, right? And we had just been in the throes of World War I and we're coming out of that. In 1938, FDR, he signs into law uh, this thing called the Fair Labor Standards Act. And it was all about child labor. Because up until then, you had children, young children, who were working in the factories. 10, 12, 14 hour days, even more. Right? So there was really no, no thing as a teenager. There was no culture, no teenage culture. They just went from that, they just went from kind of being a kid into working. So then all of a sudden, just to kind of like summarize it, you had these child labor laws, and now you have a whole group of young people, maybe 14, 13, 14, up to like, you know, 17, 18 or whatever. And they can't work very long hours, if at all. And then they start going to school longer, right? And you have the automobile, so now you have buses. They can bring people from all over. So now you don't just have a one-room schoolhouse. Now you have a big consolidated high school. People are coming from all over. So all of a sudden, what do you do when you take all like young people, ages like, 13 up to 18 you're putting them in like one big you know uh one big building for like six eight hours a day that never had happened before what's going to happen when you take a group of people like that and you put them all together for a long period of time they're not out there working what's going to happen they probably have a little bit of money from a side job where they can work a few hours or from their family so now you have these young people and they have some money They have time on their hands as well after school. So then there starts to develop a culture, their own way of dressing, their own way of talking, like language. Ever talk to a teenager? Sometimes you're like, I have no idea what they're saying. What are they talking about? Pokey what? Pokey what? I don't know. Right? So they have their own culture, their own like way of talking to each other. And then the the business community starts seeing that they can market to them. And they're, they're like one of the biggest market segments today, you know? So it was this idea of that. And of course, teenager, because they're teens, their age ends with, te- uh, their age ends with you know, teen, right? 13, 14, whatever. So anyway, we had this idea of this whole new group of people. And it was sort of created that way. And then uh, Al Oldham also mentioned, he goes, you know that FDR also created the senior citizen with Social Security. He went on a whole discussion about that as well that's that's a sermon for another day but in a way they kind of connect because what i'm trying to say in a sense is there really is no such thing as a teenager and if you look at scripture there really wasn't and i say it this way because i want to give you three verses just to kind of give you some context about why i'm sharing this 
1 Timothy 4.12, it's probably the most widely used verse of Scripture by all youth groups everywhere. It's like plastered all over youth rooms and all over uh, youth literature. And, and this is the, the really you know, most popular verse. 1 Timothy 4.12. You can look it up in your own Bibles, but you probably know it. It just simply says this. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Right? Paul was talking to who? Right? Who was, who was being addressed here? Right? Timothy was like this young guy. Did you know that? He was young. He was a young leader. Paul is, is pouring his life into him. And he's, he's saying, let no one despise you for your youth. There's probably like a group of elders and leaders in the church, and they're like, we're not going to listen to this guy. Like Al Oldham trying to, to, to market Harvey Cedars to these older pastors. Like, who is this young punk, right? So he's trying to tell Timothy, don't let him look down on you just because you're young. God has given you the strength. He says, set an example as a young believer and follower of Christ in your conduct, in your love in your faith, and your purity. It's no wonder that verse is used so much in youth ministry. Am I right? Let no one despise you because you're young, but set the believers as, as an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. It's an awesome verse. It's like just because you're young doesn't mean that God can't do amazing things. That's one of the great things about going away to camp like that is because that's a huge focus of trying to encourage the teenagers. I, yeah, I'm using the word teenager, right? We use it. Our young adults, our students. So encourage them. You know what? It doesn't mean that when you turn 18, then you're ready to be a full-time Christian. Some of our students were saved at a young age. They're ready in God's eyes for God to use them to do amazing things. How about Jeremiah? Jeremiah 1, 7, but I'll just kind of read uh, verses uh, 4 through 10. But of course, verse 7 is part of that. The calling of Jeremiah. It said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Right? Isn't that what he's saying? He's saying, then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, this is Jeremiah, I don't know how to speak. For what? I'm only a youth. But then the Lord said to me, Do not say, I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out His hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, I'm just reading on, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. That's what God said. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms. And he continues on. But what a great verse when he says in verse 7, the Lord said, don't say I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. So we see in Scripture that God is challenging and encouraging the young people, saying, don't say you're just a youth. What does that mean? God's saying, like, to me, that means nothing, your age. Now, the same is true. How old was Moses when God called Moses to go speak to, to uh, Pharaoh? Like 80 years old. 
So the idea is that God's not a respecter of age in that way. So in the context of our young students, our young people, let us not look down on them. And then we tell the students, don't let people look down on you just because you're young. God can do amazing things for you. And then one last verse that you can leave up there actually um, is in Colossians 2.10. I love using this verse in the context of speaking out to, to young people. And here's why I wanted to share it. Just the first part of Colossians 2.10. It says, And in Him you have been made complete. Very easy one to, to memorize. In Him you have been made complete. Some of your versions might say it a little differently. But in Him, in Christ, you have been made complete. What does that mean? To me, the message for our young people is this. When God inhabits your heart when you let him into your life maybe you're seven years old maybe you're 14 scripture tells us that in christ you are complete no matter what the age is when you become a christian as we say when you are saved and you have surrendered your life to christ who is it that comes to indwell in your heart the holy spirit so we are told here that in christ you have been made complete What that tells me is that even if you're 14 years old, God has given you all that you need to do His work. He knows you have more maturing to do, obviously, physically, mentally, and emotionally. We all do, don't we? Just because you've been a saint for 50 years doesn't necessarily mean automatically that you're a mature Christian. But the same goes true on the opposite side. Just because you're 14. God says, don't let them look down on you because you're young. He said, don't say that I can't speak, I'm just a youth. Jeremiah is saying, I'm inexperienced, but I'm also young. Right? Timothy would say the same thing. But as a church, we shouldn't do that either. Just like we see in Scripture, God can do amazing things for His kingdom through young people. There's a guy named uh, Gil who's been a pastor a long time, and he actually oversees those uh, the youth weeks at Harvey Cedars, and especially he loves to go to the junior high camps. We don't know why. We think he's a little crazy. But he would rather spend the week with like three to 400 t- um, young teenagers, right? Young um, in uh, junior high. But he has this saying. He just loves to like... Just minister and invest in the lives of of middle school students, junior high kids. Because he says, if you get them on fire for the Lord, kids that are 13, 14 years old, they might be really awkward physically and just kind of crazy and don't even know like what they're going to do. But he says, you get them on fire for the Lord. And he said, they'll attack the gates of hell with a water pistol. Right? What's the idea? It's like, they don't know what kind of weapon they have. All they know is that they got to go out bold for God. To boldly go where no teenager has gone before. They'll go with a water pistol to the fires of hell, he says. And they don't care if they can't put out all the fires, but they're going anyway. And it's great, and it's true. But the idea is that God can do amazing things, and we see it in in the Bible that He has already through young people. And I totally believe that He wants to continue to do that. So it's not that you become a Christian as a kid, and then when you turn 18... 
Now you're ready to do God's work. Or when you turn 21, you're ready to do God's work. No, I don't see that in Scripture. God can do amazing things through the young people. And so the last thing I want to share is this, before we're going to close with our hymn today. I'll share with this. So the speaker's theme for this week was called synced. Not we were all like sinking in the ocean, right? But sync, being synced with God, being connected with God. So he talked all about technology and what that means to us. And I was kind of sharing that before. But he was just simply saying, what does it mean to be synced up with God? Well, here's the gospel in a nutshell. That at one time we were, as human beings, synced up with God in perfect relationship. We read about it in Genesis in the Garden of Eden. But that something came along, we call it sin, it's disobedience, it's pride, it's trying to be God when you're not God, it's trying to be the Creator when you're the created. And that disobedience broke that relationship, disconnected us from God. We've inherited that, unfortunately. So God in His ultimate wisdom says the only way that we can be synced up again, reconnected with God, is through His plan. And His plan is through the one and only Son that He had, Jesus Christ, the one and only begotten Son of God. That through His atoning work on the cross, paying the price that we were supposed to pay on the cross, the penalty for that disobedience, there's always a price to pay for doing wrong, right? For disobedience. Christ paid that for us. And then he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, does he say that? That you'll be saved. And if that's the case, it's a free gift to accept. If you're 13 years old and you do that, it says in Him you've been made complete. You're ready to go. There's so much to learn on the journey. No matter what age we are, there's so much more to learn. As long as we're willing and able, just like a young middle middle school student, if you're handed a water pistol, go go against the gates of hell, right? Go out and preach the gospel. Do God's work for Him, no matter how old you are. And so that's God's message for our young students this past week and this morning. But that's a message for all of us. Yeah, maybe this idea of a teenage culture was actually somehow invented, even if inadvertently. And there is a whole culture. As a youth pastor, I can tell you, I always looked at it as a mission field. My mission field was right there in the church with our young people. Because what do missionaries do when they go out to Africa or Asia, wherever they go? First, you've got to spend a lot of time, what? Learning the culture. You've got to learn the language, find out how they dress, what are their customs, Right? So you can assimilate well. and you got to do that as an adult working with teens because they have their own language, their own customs, their own ways of doing things. So you got to learn about that youth culture so that you can speak into their lives. So we need to remember that as a church. To never forget our young people. To invest wisely in them. We see that in Scripture too. Examples of the older, more mature saints who have lived many years walking with the Lord, you don't just say, my time is done. 
Is there a retirement age from being a Christian? No, there's not. You might retire from a job or a career. But then you continue on. The speaker, I won't share the whole story, but the speaker shared a story about his mentor, who was a preacher for 40 years, and then everybody thought he was going to retire. But he said, no, I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. And he went to Africa, and he got malaria, and he said, I don't want to go home. He got malaria again. They said, you got to go home. They sent him home. And his body was getting too old in his 80s. And they, he's like, yeah, I got to go to a retirement center. And everybody was throwing him a, you know, a retirement party. He says, I'm not retiring. He says, there's all these old people in this retirement center. They all need Jesus. And then the, the guy who was speaking went and he went to visit him. And he was playing pool. He had a pool ministry. With all of his older friends, 70s, 80s, 90s, they're playing pool. He's just like, I led that one to the Lord last week. He's like, that one next week, he's coming to know Christ. And this guy's like sharing about this. And then finally, the last part of the story is he calls our speaker. You know, this guy was the mentor, and he's like 92. And he says, Matt, that was the speaker's name, I feel God calling me to go to be a missionary in Russia. He's like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? You're already in the retirement saying, yeah, you have a great ministry there. God's calling me. And he went. He raised the money, and he went. A lot of amazing stories about how he went. And the final part of the story is he's, he's standing in the middle of Red Square. And he's got his bags. He's like too old to carry it. And the guy taps him on the shoulder and says, aren't you? And he mentions his name. He goes, I read a pamphlet by you on the gospel. Here's a guy in Russia. And I recognize your picture. Can I carry your bags for you? Sure. And so he was there to speak to some pastors. And they said, finally, we don't want you to just speak to this group. We want you to speak to all the pastors in the whole city. So he was 92. Never gave up. At the final days of his life, he had to come back to the United States. And uh, he knew his time was just about up. But he would have a chair next to his bed, an empty chair. And people that worked there in the, the, the center where he was to spend his last days would bring people and say, this guy... He needs to know Jesus. He would say, come in, young man or young woman. He would sit down, preach the gospel to him. That's the way we need to live our life. But it can start when you're young. When you give your life to Christ, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do all that God calls you to do. And that's the lesson for all of us. What a great week it was, being reminded of that, spending it with the teens, seeing how on fire they were for the Lord, having their morning devotions, reading God's Word that at night sharing about what they learned. So much spiritual maturity there is so encouraging. Let that be encouragement to all of us. There is great hope for a future of our church, a church that God wants to use to further His kingdom on earth and to, and to share the gospel. And it's got to be those of us that are older and that have walked with the Lord investing in sharing our lives with the young people. They desperately want it. And it means understanding, having some grace, getting to know them. And then we share with students all the time. Embrace those older saints around you. Ask them stories. Ask them questions. That's why when Al Oldham Sr., who, who started Harvey Cedar, shared, they were all just listening intently. So much respect for the wisdom that he had. That's the way the church is supposed to work. And when that's happening, then we're going to learn together grow together and serve together to be a strong healthy church so christ can continue to build us and use us amen amen let's pray then bob you can close us with a hymn father thank you
for how good you are to us. Lord, as we uh, conclude our time just by singing, we, uh, we thank you for the fact that you did come for us to bring us salvation, to offer us forgiveness. We look forward to the day you will return again. Remove us from these bodies, from this broken world. We look forward to that day when you will return for your church. But until then, you have work for us to do, young and old alike. Help us to do it, following the power and leading of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.